Hi, everybody. Welcome once again. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm so glad that you took the time to worship with us today and that you're here to spend this time to talk about Jesus with me. Happy week after Easter. Jesus is still alive. What we celebrated last week, that when Jesus walked out of the tomb and forever secured his victory over death, hell, and the grave, it's still in effect today. That life that he released for us still flows in our lives. Every day can be Easter because of what he's done for us. And as I was praying this week, I was praying that that change of address message that we talked about last week, that you were able to tell fear and worry that they don't have a place in your life anymore. And I know there's a lot of people that that seems to be really what they're struggling with right now. Even more than a physical illness, people are struggling with fear and worry. It seems like emotional and mental well-being is under attack like never before in people's lives. I saw this quote this week that I thought was very relevant. I don't even know know who said it, but I wrote it down because it was so good. It said, fear does not stop death. It stops life. And then it goes on. It says, worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Isn't that where a lot of people are living right now? They're afraid. And even in their fear, it doesn't do anything to stop death. And they're worried. And worrying doesn't take away the troubles tomorrow. It just takes away the peace that they have right now. And I'm going to share a little bit in the next few minutes how even in the midst of a global pandemic, we can live a real and meaningful life that's free from worry and free from fear, that we can experience the abundant life that Jesus had for us, no matter what's going on around us. As I was thinking about this week, how have you been spending your quarantine time? What have you been up to? How have you been filling your days? What are you putting your hands to? Uh, has anybody else out there, have you gone from eating three meals a day to five? Maybe you're, you're taking hourly trips to the kitchen just for exercise. And, uh, oh, while I'm in there, I'll grab a snack. Uh, maybe you've, you promised yourself, oh, I'll do something different today. So I sat on the other end of the couch. I don't, I don't know what you've been spending your time with. I do know there's a lot of Americans watching a whole lot of TV and movies right now. I saw a study that said the average American is spending eight hours a day streaming content right now. So they're looking for something to do to fill their time and quarantine. Maybe you've just been spending more time with your family or you've learned a new skill or a hobby or taken up a game. I don't know what it is. I'm just praying that it's productive and we're putting good use to our time. From what I can tell this week, looking around at things, it seems to me like a lot of people use this quarantine time to go back to college. It looks like it's amazing to me how many people got degrees in law and economics and medicine while we've been in quarantine this last month. You know how I know that they all got their degrees? Because every time I go on social media, I see people sharing their opinions. They're, they've suddenly become experts just in the last four weeks on how the coronavirus works, what you should or shouldn't do to avoid it, what the powers of government are, uh, how, how, what are the effects of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. All all these people, they've become experts over the last four weeks, and they're more than excited to share their opinion and what they found out with you. And uh, it got me to thinking about this question this week. What is truth? There's a whole lot of people sharing a whole lot of things right now. And one of the questions that we wrestle with is, what is truth? It can be overwhelming sometimes to sift through all the information that's out there, all the opinions that are flying at us, and to sort through them all to come up with what is truth in the middle of it. And even when we find it, sometimes we don't seem to be that gracious about sharing it with other people. 
And uh, as I was thinking about what is truth, we spend our whole lives searching for what truth is. In fact, a lot of people are looking for it more than ever right now with all the extra time that they have on their hands. And I think our search for truth really starts at a young age. And I actually have a spoiler alert right now. If you've got small children in the room with you and you don't want them to know this, send them out of the room or cover their ears for the next 30 seconds. But in the search for truth, a lot of us found out Santa isn't real. <gasps> You know, I think as a kid, we're so trusting. We believe everything everybody tells us. And then we find out, wow, adults aren't always so honest with us. People deceive us sometimes. And it starts us, even at that young age, when we first find that out, it starts us on the path of what really is truth. I need to find it out and I need to own it for myself. And I have a second spoiler alert, but it's not for every kid out there. It's only if my grandson Leo is watching at this time. So cover his ears for the next couple seconds. I have to tell everybody that the truth is my beard didn't come from my hair falling through my face and coming out my chin. That's what Leo believes right now. Thank God for that age where they're still so gullible that you can have fun with them and do those things. But the other day he's sitting there and he's looking at my beard. He says, Pap, when your beard fell through your face, did you have to close your eyes and your mouth so the hair wouldn't get in them? So don't tell them, but that's not true. But I really appreciate the journey that it starts us on. There's something that clicks inside of us that says, if I want to know truth, I'm going to have to find it for myself. And we go on this lifelong journey. If there's something that feeds this quest inside of us is I want to know truth. And what happens as we go through life, everybody collects their version of the truth through the experiences that you have, the biases that you have, we all end up having a slightly different version of the truth. We build our own framework for what truth looks like and, and the things that we've experienced and learned ourselves. And around Easter, uh, you may have taken some time to reflect on Jesus' week leading up to the cross and to the resurrection. And he famously had an encounter with a guy named Pilate. Pilate was the governor of, from Rome at that time. He was the governor of Judea. He was in charge of the Roman troops and keeping order in Israel at that time. And the Jews who had arrested Jesus, they sent Jesus to Pilate because they wanted Pilate to convict him of a crime and kill him. And Pilate's having this conversation with Jesus. He's engaging him. He's asking, are you really a king? What are they saying about you? And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus essentially tells Pilate, I came to tell the world the truth. I came to proclaim the truth. And this is what happens as soon as Jesus makes that statement in John chapter 18 and verse 38. This is what happens after Jesus says, I came to tell everybody the truth. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus had been engaging Pilate in that conversation, and they'd been having this dialogue. But as soon as Jesus talked about truth, Pilate was done with the conversation. I almost picture him throwing his hands up and saying, ah, what is truth? And then he goes out, and this amazing statement, he tells the Jewish people, I find no basis for a charge against him. Did you ever think about why Pilate said that? Why, why did he go back out and report to them, I can't find anything wrong with what he said. I can't find anything to convict him of. There's no crime here. I think the reason that Pilate didn't charge Jesus is because he thought, oh, this guy is just telling people his own version of the truth. Pilate thought, everybody has a version of the truth. This one seems harmless enough to me. He's not hurting anybody. And he let Jesus go or was prepared to let Jesus go because he thought, oh, it's just his version of the truth. 
he didn't see anything worth getting upset about in Jesus' responses to his questions. And Pilate realized that everyone kind of has their own framework for what truth is. We have our own thoughts about what it is, what makes it up. And once we start developing that framework, everything that we see and hear, how we act, how we treat people, it gets filtered through this version of our truth. And it even affects our opinions of people and how we treat them. For example, you might be having a conversation with somebody and in the middle of your talk, they say, there is no God. And what happens, we may not even realize we're doing it. It happens subconsciously sometimes. But when we hear a statement, we begin to analyze it against our framework of what the truth is in our lives. And and I begin to think, oh... I see he doesn't believe in God, but I do. And we begin to have this process where we think about why we're right and why they're wrong. Uh, We may start to view them differently. Maybe we even label them. You know, that person who said that to you from, from that point forward, they may be labeled in your life as, oh, that's that atheist. That's that person that doesn't believe anymore. And, and sometimes when we do that, we start to lose sight of the rest of who they are as a person the value that they have just because God created them, because we've taken a statement and analyzed it against our version of the truth. And maybe that one doesn't hit home as much. You know, it's an election year. So here's one that may hit a little bit closer to home. Someone may come up to you in a conversation and they might say, Trump is a great president. I can't wait to vote for him again. Or you may have somebody that says the exact opposite. They may come up to you and say, man, Trump is an idiot. I can't wait to vote for anybody else but him. And most people immediately filter that statement and they look at their truth, what they believe about things, and they put that person in a certain category in their mind. And what happens is sometimes we either increase or decrease the value of what that person says in the future because of the opinion that they just shared with us, whatever their truth is. And you may not believe this, and that's okay. is my truth. You may not believe this, but the Bible doesn't say anything about a person's political party being a criteria for them to be born again. It simply talks about our belief in Jesus and what we think about what he did on the cross. And some of you right now, you're thinking, oh, you're, you're meddling now. Go back to talking about Jesus. I am. When Jesus walked on the earth, he didn't care what people were affiliated with, whether they were Jewish or Samaritan or Gentile, whether they were rich or poor, whether they were clean or unclean, whether they were well or sick. He loved people. He treated them all equally because he came to talk about the truth. And sometimes I think we need to realize, just like Pilate did, there's a a lot of people today that still don't even grab this, just like Pilate needed to realize, truth isn't a set of data. It's not an opinion or it's not a story that a talking head on the news can tell you. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Earlier, uh, Jesus had been having a conversation with his followers about knowing God before he got arrested and he was talking with them about what it means to walk in the truth. And he said this to them in answer to their questions in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus literally said that he was truth. Truth wasn't a set of facts to be acquired in a classroom. Truth was a person to have a relationship with and to be discovered. What he taught, how he acted, his character and his nature, these are all part of the truth. There is a difference between absolute truth and our interpretation of the truth. 
Jesus Christ is absolute truth. Everything else isn't. Our version of the truth usually has something else mixed in with it. Whether it's politics or economics or our own opinions about things, our truth gets diluted a little bit from absolute truth because of our perspective and the things we color it with. But Jesus himself is truth. The more we come to know him, the more we find out he may challenge our version of the truth and cause things in our lives to be adjusted. But one thing we can count on as the truth, he never changes. He can always be counted on. He produces freedom that we all want and we need in our lives because he said, I am the truth. And it starts to operate in our lives and it sets us free. And uh, we're talking about being free from worry, being free from fear, all those things that are plaguing the world right now. It comes from knowing Jesus because he is the truth. In talking with some of his uh, followers and some of the religious leaders, some of the Jewish people about knowing him and doing what he says, Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 8 and verse 32. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Jews just wanted Jesus to tell them some things to do. Give us some facts. Give us a checklist. Uh, Just like the Ten Commandments, Jesus, those are pretty good. Give us something else that we can do to know the truth and to be free in our lives. And he wasn't telling them a checklist. He wasn't telling them a set of facts. He was telling them, you need to know me. You need to make me your Lord and come follow me. And then you will truly know truth and it will set you free. Knowing the truth sets us free from guilt and sin and regret and worry and shame and performance and always having to be right. All those things that plague us all throughout our lives, the truth sets us free from those things. They don't have a hold on us in our lives anymore. Even if you felt like a prisoner in your own house right now because you're quarantined or you're on lockdown, the truth can set you free. Right where you are, you can be free, even if you can't leave your house right now. And what's amazing is that just like he came to do, proclaim the truth to everyone, Jesus gives us the responsibility of proclaiming truth and sharing it with the world. What an awesome job. What a gracious God that we have, that he gave us a message of good news and truth to share for the world. He didn't ask us to share our version of the truth or to water it down or color it with our opinions. He asked us to share the truth of the good news about him, that he loves people, that he wants them to know him and to be known by him. He loves people so much that he stepped out of heaven to come die the death on the cross that he did just so we could be free and be known by him. What I found out is if sharing my truth, my version of the truth, my opinion-laced version of the truth, if sharing my truth causes people to not hear the truth, then I've missed the point. If making myself feel better by sharing my opinions and my political beliefs or the latest coronavirus conspiracy theory, come on, there really is something. I've I've seen it. When you hit that button and send that post or that email or shoot that text out, there is something that makes you feel good inside. Like, woohoo, take that, everybody. I just shared my opinion, and that's truth for me. If making myself feel better by sharing my version of the truth causes people to close the door on hearing eternal truth, then I'm just being selfish. I've missed the point of sharing the truth and the good news with people. And if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, oh, that's okay. You know, what are you, what are you talking about, Pastor Chris? Everybody believes like I do. Then either your circle of friends is way too small or enough people aren't willing to tell you that they believe differently than you. 
Maybe they're worried about how you'll react or you'll go off on some tangent. We need to be looking for the absolute truth and how to share that with people and not our own opinions. Uh, I just saw a quote recently from Tim Keller. He was interviewed in an article this week. And Tim Keller said, Christians are nowhere nearly as deeply immersed in Scripture as they are in their respective social media and newsfeed bubbles. Ouch. We really need to get back to knowing and experiencing who truth is and how he wants us to communicate to the world. Jesus talked about one of the main ways that we could share truth with people, one of the main ways that we could communicate that we found him, that he loves us, that he lives with us and in us. In John chapter 13 and verse 35, this is what Jesus said about how people in the world could see the truth. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Come on, talk about a self-assessment that we could all take a few minutes to do in our lives. He said, your love for one another will show the world that you're actually a follower of Jesus. Man, there was an old song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And you ever think, oh, we're singing this song, it's supposed to be a worship song to Jesus, but I'm really feeling like I need to do a better job at loving people. They'll know we are Christians by our love. How we treat each other, in person and online. How we react to that person choosing to wear or not wear a mask in the store. How we conduct our search for the truth and communicate it to others. Who we include or exclude from our lives. What we think about what people do and say. These are all opportunities where we have to show whether or not we love other people and that we are followers of Jesus or not. All of those ways that we behave are tests. They are evidence. They are part of showing the world that we belong to Jesus. To close, I want to read one last verse where Paul was actually communicating to a church in Galatia about what love looks like. This concept of we need to love each other, we need to be Christians, and we'll be known by our love. He wrote them a letter to say, this is what love actually looks like in your lives. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some translations actually put a colon right after love. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And these are the ways it's displayed. But however you want to look at it, when we encounter the truth, those things begin to grow in our lives. It comes out in our actions, in our, in our conversation with people, the way we behave. And I was thinking the last one on that list is self-control. Do you know that self-control isn't just about sinful habits? Sometimes self-control means that I suppress my personal rights to say and do whatever I want to and to share my opinion with everybody for the sake of others. Sometimes I use self-control not to let everybody know my opinions and just share with them the pure, undiluted essence of the gospel that says Jesus loves you and so do I. Man, if we could get a hold of that in our lives, I think it would change how the world sees Christians and how they receive our message Man, I really want people to be open to hear the truth when they come in contact with my life. I read that list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 there, and I think, wow, 
Jesus really has empowered us to be great people to be around. When I read that verse, I think, I want to hang out with somebody that has all those things in their lives. I want to be around that kind of person who's always patient with me, who's always kind, who's always loving. That's the people that we were created to be. That's the message we carry. That's the kind of people that we get to be to the world and to each other. And I don't know why. Sometimes it's harder to do that with our families, with our friends, with our people that we see every week in church that we're closest to. But that's the kind of people we were created to be. And Jesus says, when the world sees us loving each other that way, when they see those things growing and and blossoming in our lives, they'll know that we are His followers. They'll get a clue that we are Christians because of the way that we love people and love each other. He's given us a great message of hope and love for people. And in a time when people are fearful and worried, we need more people sharing hope and sharing truth and sharing love. Just talking about the simple essence of what has Jesus done for you? How much you're loved, how much you're valued because Jesus died for you. What I want to share for an action item this week is a little bit of a challenge for us. I want you to take this week to share truth. When I say truth, I'm talking about something about Jesus without throwing in all the other stuff, without coloring it with our politics or our opinions about things. I want you to take some time this week and share truth with somebody outside your normal circle. Come on, it's, it's easy. We, we get in our little bubble and it's easy to think everybody believes the same as us when we only talk to or interact with the same people all the time. I want you to find somebody outside your normal circle this week. Maybe it's somebody that disagrees with you about something. And you need to just take some time to let them know, man, Jesus loves you and I do too. Or or don't even have to make it that religious. Just say, hey man, I was praying for you and I wanted to let you know that I love you. Is there anything that you need this week? Just take some time to share truth, even with somebody that disagrees with you or that is outside your normal sphere this week. And as we close today, we're going to do another worship song to just spend a little more time in Jesus' presence and be encouraged. But before we do that, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're watching today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you're hearing me talk about how much He loves you and how much He values you, but you've never taken that step to say, Yes, Jesus, I believe. I want you right where you're sitting right now. Just take a moment. It's, it's as simple as doing this in your heart or even saying it out of your mouth. Just take a moment to make it real with you and God to say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I ask that you would forgive my past and redeem my future. That you would give me your life and come make your home with me. And in that moment... You're saved. You just started a relationship with Jesus. And He'll come and reveal Himself as the truth to you. And He'll begin to grow you and to cause His nature and His character to be formed in you. He loves you so much. And if you've taken a moment to do that for the first time ever, I'd like you to let us know. You can either uh, click to respond or you can send us a note to say, Man, I did that and it feels so much better right now. And we'd love to connect with you and talk with you more about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're sitting out there today and and you're thinking, oh man, I'm hearing this message and I really need to recommit to doing what's right and to loving people and letting the truth just be what I'm known for, uh, that's okay. You can take a minute to do that too, to just say, Jesus, help me to share you with people, not to share my version of you or my version of the truth of this world. Just help me to share you with the people around me. I'd like to pray for us right now. And just, I believe that God 
wants to be with us in very real and tangible ways right now to keep fear and worry out of our lives, to let us know that we have a message of hope and grace for the world. Join with me in prayer right now. Father God, we thank you for your presence with us, even in this time together that we've had. I thank you that you are watching over each one of our lives. Lord, nothing that's happening in our lives is out of your control. It's out of your possibility to do something about it. I thank you that there really is no situation that's impossible for you to do something about. And I ask right now that where people are watching, that you would tangibly manifest your presence with them right now. Let them know that you are there, that you're watching over them, that you're holding them in the palm of your hand, that you're embracing them, that you're walking right through the valley with them. Lord, thank you for that promise that even when we walk through the valley of death, we don't have to fear because you are with me. God, make that real for people right now. Lord, I ask that as we leave this time together, we would just leave strengthened and encouraged, uh, joyful because of the the news of truth and good news that you have given us. Uh, Lord, let us be ones that wouldn't keep it to ourselves, but would share it with the people around us. Jesus, you are so good. In fact, you're too good to keep it to ourselves. God, I bless your people right now. I thank you for your presence with us, your favor on our lives. I just ask that you would protect and watch over everybody during this time of crisis, that uh, we would truly be able to look and see testimonies of you at work in our lives and share them with the world to tell people of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for spending the time today. God bless you. Let's worship one more time. 